I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service here at Ananda Village in the Temple of Light. I am Nayaswami Parvati. This is Nayaswami Pranaba. And unfortunately, Jitendra was not feeling well and is unable to join us this morning, another time. So anyway, it's wonderful to have you all here. And I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda the commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita. The topic this week, self-effort too is needed. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. These past weeks, we discussed the need for balancing self-effort with receptivity to divine grace. Both are important in the spiritual life. Path, passive de dependence on grace hasn't the magnetism to attract grace. Boastful self-confidence, however, which closes itself off from the higher divine power is shallow, brittle, and given life's many uncertainties susceptible to ultimate failure. There is a story in the Bible that illustrates the need to put forth personal effort so as to draw magnetically on the divine power. The story occurs in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 8. But as, he went, but as he went, the crowds nearly suffocated him. Among them was a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and who, had had to, and who had derived no benefit from anybody's treatment. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. As a result, her hemorrhage stopped immediately. Who was it who touched me, Jesus asked. When everybody denied it, Peter remonstrated, Master, the crowds are all around, pressing you on every side. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. I felt power going out from me. When the woman realized that she had not escaped notice, she came forward trembling and fell at his feet and admitted before everyone why she had touched him, adding that she had been instantaneously cured. Daughter, Jesus said, it is by your faith that you have been healed. Go in peace. Self-confidence and self-effort are necessary, as the ignition of a car is necessary to the motor. Of what use the ignition, however, if the motor itself will not work? Wise is he who recognizes the real power in the universe and guides his life by that supreme power. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the ninth chapter, to those who meditate on me as their very own, ever united to me by incessant worship, I make good their deficiencies and render permanent their gains. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, oh. 
I'd like to share with you one of the uh, loving prayer demands from Paramahansa Yogananda's book, Whispers from Eternity. Isn't that a nice phrase? Loving prayer demands. Many doors open before me at the dawn of thy coming. O Lord, the very earth shone with life when thou camest. The very ground on which I stood thrilled me because of thee. Everywhere dumb matter spoke to me, spirit resurrected by thy touch. All living beings swayed in the incense breeze of thy approach, hinting at thy perfume of bliss. The sanctuary of omnipresence was long hidden by the darkness of my indifference. Now on the revealed courtyard of thy temple, I find thy fountain of joy gaily bubbling. With uplifted palm cups of craving, I catch and drink from the vital waters of thy solace. Lord, I know now that I shall thirst nevermore. This story of the woman coming to Jesus and touching the hem of his cloak is a real important one, significant for us in our lives. The challenge is tuning into it in a way that makes sense for us and we really take on, because it's a sensitive issue or a sensitive focus point for us as devotees that we want to have the will, the intention, the focus to really be there with the Lord. And we also want to have that more open and receptive part of ourselves that's drawing that. But again, not from the ego, but from the soul qualities. You know, I was rereading parts of the, the book, The Art and Science of Raja Yoga by Swami Kriyananda. And he was talking about this interesting point. He said that in terms of the yoga asanas, the yoga postures, that perhaps the most difficult one to attain perfection is savasana, the corpse pose. Isn't that interesting? So the corpse pose is just lying on the back and being there. But why it's perhaps the most challenging to attain perfection? Because it's focusing on relaxation in a dynamic way, not being passive and just falling into subconsciousness or sleep or daydreaming. But the dynamic part of it is us offering ourselves into that experience, where we can readily feel that in the more activated yoga postures, that there's challenge because of our stiffness, because of our body is not working with us. But that's not as challenging as that subtlety of tuning in inside of ourselves when we go into relaxation. And it's something that we can then translate into different parts of our lives, that we can feel the sensitivity, the openness in ways that make sense to us, make us more real in our spiritual journey. Because it's, it's always a danger to have platitudes and you know, a spirituality that is more a cloak than our essence. And it's a good beginning for all of us to even have the cloak part of spirituality. But I remember years ago when I first um, moved to Ananda Village in the 1980s, that at that time, Swami Kriyananda would in doing Sunday services and satsangs in classes, would chant at the beginning of it. 
And I tuned in quickly to the fact that even with a chant like Door of My Heart, one of Yogananda's chants, that he played, that I've probably heard, you've probably heard hundreds and hundreds of times, that each time he chanted it, I want to be in that chant. And so I always paused at the beginning when he started chanting from joining in, because I wanted to be with him in the chant. And there were nuances, not so much even in his way of playing the harmonium or singing out with his voice, but the nuances of his vibration, of his consciousness. And I just wanted to be there with that before joining, not so much the joy of the chant, but the joy of being in the chant. And I want to take advantage of Swami Kriyananda's consciousness in that way. But even now, I, I would recommend, not that you do that all the time, um, but you know, I've noticed in kirtans, which is group chanting, amazing way to be enlivened with chanting, is that so readily, at the beginning of the chant, the accompaniments, whether it's clapping, or the playing of kirtals, or the drums, they come in right away. And at one point, Swami Kriyananda said about that, it's like people usurp the chant. They take away what's trying to happen in the chant and make it what they want to have happen with the chant. Isn't that interesting? Well, we can, again, translate that into all of our experiences, that it's good to be dynamic and really move energy when it's appropriate. But even then, if we can pause and at least from an internal centeredness, and then activate that. Because otherwise we're in motion rather than in experience, in the experience itself. And it's a subtlety that even from the beginning of the spiritual path, it's important to cognize that and make that subtlety, that sensitive approach part of what we're doing, part of how we're being in the world that we live. Because living in an amazing spiritual community like Ananda Village is not enough to bring us to God realization. It's an amazing foundation for all of us, for those who live here, for those who visit here as guests. But that can slip away as a dynamic experience so readily. It just becomes too familiar. It becomes something that we're so acquainted with that we, we don't really see that. I know for a lot of us, when we're engaging with guests uh, in spiritual Newark, I think a lot of our residents were able to see through the filter of the eyes of people coming here that haven't been here for several years. What a joy there was just being here. And I think we were all feeling that contagious, not of COVID, but of the contagious of, of the joy that was just abounding in everyone in that way. But it's important that we really become in that balance of being dynamic and being sensitive. You know, one of the things that came up when I was leading a weekend program here at the Expanding Light Retreat last weekend, somebody brought up, the, the issue which comes up for people about being too sensitive 
And maybe we've all felt it at times in our lives that the world around us um, intrudes on us. It has an impact on us because of our sensitivity. But in a sense, that kind of sensitivity is in motion. It's kind of like not, not well developed because the sensitivity is still through our ego and we feel the emotional sensitivity because of that ego desire and attachment play that's happening. But once we start to deepen with meditation and, and integrating that into every moment, the sensitivity isn't one that starts to bring disturbances anymore. It starts to bring us even more calmness. We touch on that calmness in meditation. And what happens, and most of us have felt this, that calmness starts to permeate into every moment. It's not that we just have calmness in meditation. We feel that living organism of calmness being an integrated reality in our lives. And that's such an important part of what we always want to be open and receptive to. The receptivity is there to allow us to go beyond our expectations. It's an interesting way to understand that, that what we want to do is always be open to possibilities, that when we have expectations, we even may have the expectations fulfilled, but they may be not what we really need in life. The failures in life seemingly are the bad parts of life, but that's only because of our attachments, our desires to have something else. But truly the failures, quote, being failures, are really the opportunities, the springboards for really growing in what our spiritual life is. Not even our spiritual life, our lives. Every moment can be in that way. And when we really know that more and more, we start to realize that being in the experience is very, very deep and grows deeper and deeper. I had this interesting experience in my last week-long seclusion, which was in November of last year, that normally I bring, both Parvi and I, when we seclude, have our harmoniums. We have two for that purpose. Um, but I have an old beaten up harmonium uh, that I only take out rarely because we have Parvati's harmonium always out that we play. Um, but I take my harmonium and it takes, it takes a number of chants before it starts to sound right. It's, it's like it's, it's a living being that's been hibernating. And when I start to play it, you can feel it changing. It feels like it's resonance, that power of resonance starts to envelop not only the harmonium, but me. And so it's a real joy to chant with a harmonium. But a few days into this seclusion last November, I was sitting in the afternoon just in a, in a deep sense of calmness and peace. And I thought, it, I feel to chant. And I was about to go to my harmonium. And then something said, no, just chant. And so I start to chant softly out loud, a cappella, without instrumentation, without the harmonium. And it was quite interesting. It actually felt, as an experience, of a cool, calming breeze 
coming over me. There was such a, a depth in that calmness, in that chanting, and it was so, so touching an experience. I chanted, I believe, over an hour, just with my voice, going over a number of chants. And I thought, it wouldn't be something I intended to do, because I, as I said, I love the resonance of just playing the harmonium chanting with that. It's so sweet and devotional. But here I was, letting go of that part of it, and just being in the purity of my heart's expression through my voice. It was very deep. And I, I would invite you all to explore that. Uh, whatever voice you have, um, and whatever you, you do, but just even take one chant and explore it. Because there's a, there's a feeling that's slightly different than using the harmonium. That there's a sense of, this is me, not this is me chanting. This is the experience of me with this chant. And so these things are subtleties that allow us to, as the readings say, that, that need for self-effort, and then the recognition that God is everything. God is the doer through us that there's pl the play of that divine experience always with us in deepening ways. And when we start to think, well, you know, I'm just this little soul devotee here, you know, and I don't really have the confidence to, to really feel I can touch the hem of, of God through the masters. But remember, you are a child of God. It's like I read this African proverb that said, when you think you're not worthy enough, or you won't have an impact on the world, try being in a closed room overnight with a mosquito. You know, mosquito means, literally, little fly. And that little fly is going to have a great impact, that mosquito, in a closed room if you're in it with all night. Well, when we think we're just this little being that we don't have much to offer and that maybe God really doesn't pay attention to our offerings, just think less of what you're trying to get from that experience and shift into more, how can I be that experience? How can I offer myself? It doesn't make really much difference what, what happens. You know, let go of that expectation but put your energy into focusing of being with God. So in a sense, there's a goal involved there. You're, you're being with God. But the expectation is just let it diminish, let it dissipate completely, actually, and just be in that sense of I'm yours, God. You know, one of the chants that uh, uh, perhaps a lot of us chant a lot, uh, just walking or driving in our cars, I often will chant, Swami Kriyananda's chant, Lord, I am thou, thine. Because it's a powerful mantra. You know, it has that feeling that, I am thine, be thou mine. That power in that, because it's simple, it's like a, what they call a bija mantra, a seed mantra. It's so pure that it allows us just to be in that rather than doing it. So the next time you do a chant like that, or any chant, be yourself 
in the experience of being immersed already. Not using the chant or a prayer or even meditation to get somewhere, but to be there right in that moment. To know that that is who you are in that experience fully in God. Now granted, we've got karma, things to work out. But as Parvati was saying during the purification description, you know, we do the purification frequently, sometimes every week. And sometimes we think, but that challenge, that karma remains with me. And I put my deepest sincerity into wanting to release that. So what's happening there? Well, it's just that that karma maybe has a deeper influence. It has a lot more energy than we assumed it had. Because remember to be purified. We need to raise the energy higher than the karma that we're facing. Now, that energy is our commitment that draws the energy of God's grace. That's what really lifts us higher than the energy of our karma and our tests. It's that experience that is real to us. And so our role, our purpose in life, is to offer unhesitantly, always be there, without any reservation or hesitation, that when the going gets tough, then that's even more the time to offer ourselves more completely. To feel when there's a squeeze in our hearts, that's the time to say, I don't feel the devotion, Master or Divine Mother, but I'm offering myself with all I can. You're gonna to have to do the rest. You're gonna to have to take care of this, but I'm doing the best I can. You're in charge. Let your, gra your grace, let your blessings be there fully for me. And then we become those instruments of those blessings in the world. And that's an important part of really touching the hem of, of Jesus' cloak, is that as we're healed, then we allow that healing energy to be there with the world and the people around us. So let's remember that, and let's be immersed in that experience. Tara's grave is so quiet that day I came there. Not a green leaf stirred on the Not a bird did proclaim ancient grandeur and fame, only ruins, faint memories declare. I marveled to think how can greatness ever Oh,
some bright end must accept after glory that the night will descend. I've dreamed a broad rainbow over thicket and thorn, over crags that called Terry. Your hopes are forlorn. All too often my dreaming courage turned to Till our gladness in life's ever